This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Dividends. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. And we're talking about trade deadline dividends, what every GM dreams about. Trade for a player, have him come to your team, and boom, he makes history. Last night, Michael Lorenzen pitched a no-hitter. It shouldn't count as a no-hitter because it was against the Nationals. But nonetheless, first Phillies no-hitter since Cole Hamels in 2015. And all I was picturing during the course of the game was how happy are the executives, front office people in Philadelphia? How despondent are the Detroit Tigers? Michael Lorenzen shouldn't have even been an all-star. He was named an all-star because the Tigers had to have a player. And that's the rule to get people to watch the all-star game from every market that every team will be represented. I don't think that's a rule in basketball, but every team has to be represented because for some reason you'll tune in to watch your guy. So Michael Lorenzen, who's a bottom of the rotation pitcher, makes the All-Star game, named early July to the All-Star team. And since then he's been Cy fricking young. Six starts, a 1.1 ERA, pitching like an absolute ace. Philly trades for him. They give up a prospect. It was Fine deal. When we did our trade deadline show, we viewed the Lorenzen deal as a great depth piece. I think I said that both on CBS and on Nothing Personal. And that's what Michael Lorenzen is. You want pitching depth. You want pitching optionality. You want to protect against a possible Severino situation. You just want somebody. So the Phillies stepped up, brought him in, not expecting him to be the best pitcher on their team. Maybe not even getting a playoff start when you've got Nola and Wheeler, Suarez, et cetera, on your team. So Lorenzen comes out, first home start, untouchable, pitch count high, command mediocre, heavy pitches early in the game. You're thinking to yourself, am I keeping him in the game? Am I not? Am I protecting his arm? Is he a young superstar on the come where I've got to pull him out of the game and do one of the combined no-nos, screw it. There is no reason why Lorenzen shouldn't have stayed in the game. So he stays in the game, throws 124 pitches, which 
in old days, that's no problem. You do that every four days. Start 72 games a year. Pitch nine innings each time, 180 pitches, you're good to go. No Tommy John, no flexor strains, no nothing. Just a little KY jelly right below the uni. So Lorenzen, though, staying in for 124 was noteworthy because that is, I assume it's going to be in the top 10 Coca, a stat that we have no way of finding. But I would say that's in the top 10 of pitches thrown by a starting pitcher this year. So Lorenzen wins the game. Phillies go back into the clubhouse. They celebrate. JT Realmuto catches the no-hitter. Everything's great. And what the Phillies were trying to figure out as they are evaluating the Lorenzen train, trade and evaluating their team. They've seen themselves not able to close the gap to Atlanta, not trying. Firmly established as a wild card team with a chance to get back to the LCS, get back to the World Series. Does this mean the Lorenzen trade, you can go to your owner and have some bona fides? Go to the owner and say, look, I'm good at this. Look at what we've gotten. And owners after a no-hitter would say, this is great. We have won the trade. I don't care what the prospect becomes. For This is immediate dividends, long-lasting dividends be damned. Doesn't matter. We've got him now. And the reason I'm thinking about that and bringing it up is the way baseball works, and it happened with Framber Valdez just yesterday. He had a no-hitter five days ago. The Astros ended up winning the game yesterday, but Valdez did not pitch well. And Valdez is favored to win the Cy Young. Pitchers don't become aces because they threw a no-hitter. Pitchers don't become aces because they have a six-game streak of pitching like an ace. Just like teams don't become 100-win teams when they start 20-9 and nine, or when they're 14 games over, you don't say, wow, let's extrapolate that. They're going to win 100 games. It just doesn't work that way in our sport. But there's no way to calm or dampen the excitement of recency bias because for me in baseball, it's greater than in any other sport. When a NBA player, and this was my head process, my thought process, an NBA player will shoot nine for 12, score 27 points in a random game on a Tuesday, and no one is crowning him as an all-star, an all-NBA guy. Wow, he is now one of the big three, and we're going to make it through the playoffs. Absolutely does not work that way. What about football? A receiver, nine catches, 182 yards, game two, week two of the season. There's no extrapolation. But in baseball, if you hit two home runs in opening on opening day, every article says on pace for 324 home runs. You don't see that anywhere. NBA guy scores 50 points in game one. He's on pace for 4,000 points. It's so bizarre. Five runs batted in game one. He's gonna get 500 RBIs. So Michael Lorenzen, you extrapolate it out over the rest of the season. The guy's unhittable. The guy's going to pitch game one of the wild card series. Why not? I'll make you a little bet right now. As a matter of fact, I'll go an official wait to see. 
Get ready, Coca. We're going off the board. Official wait to see. Michael Lorenzen will not. Hello. My name's David Sampson. Okay. I'm good. Official wait to see. Michael Lorenzen will not start game one of the first playoff series that the Philadelphia Phillies play. Congratulations, though. It's a cool accomplishment. How many days in a row do you talk about a crappy team? I think the record was set by the commanders where we would talk about them for multiple days in a row. But the White Sox are hot on their heels. They are in the media for something bad all the time now. We told you the story about Keenan Middleton, the middle reliever traded for the Yankees, who came out against the culture of the White Sox. He got backed up by Lance Lynn. He got denied by Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. No, the culture's not bad. I don't know what this guy's talking about. He's a middle reliever. Nobody sleeps, still my favorite. Candidate for quote of the year on Nothing Personal. The nap room is for people who have been prescribed naps for sleep disorders. That's what Rick Hahn said. That's so good, it's so good. He's so full of it. I love it. Yes. So the Yankees go into Chicago. Stanton's getting hot, drove in a run, hit a home run. The Yankees are not getting hot. The Yankees are five and a half back. We're not doing a Yankee segment, but the Yankees are in trouble. We've said that. I think we have existing wait to sees that the Yankees aren't going to make the playoffs. So the White Sox win a series. The White Sox going nowhere, going to lose 90 games. Terrific season. Firing's coming. Distractions everywhere. Owner angry. Yankees in town. Middleton takes the mound. Toes the rubber. The out-of-town Yankee broadcast is looking around. People are looking at the scoreboard. The big jumbotron at what's it called now the cell us cellular or is it now called guaranteed rate i cannot remember the name of the white Sox stadium not great for naming rights branding guaranteed rate thank you coca you look up on the board and keenan middleton's name is not listed in the defense they have eight players in their positions, and Middleton's name is not there. Immediately, Twitter sees it, Twitter tweets it, X's it, and says, look at how spiteful the White Sox are. The White Sox would not even acknowledge Middleton as being in the game because they were so angry. This is Middleton, the former White Sox player, called him out, goes to the Yankees, and the Yankees somehow, two weeks later, are playing in Chicago. It's funny how the world works. He goes right instead of left, goes to the visiting side instead of the home side, looks up at the screen, name not there. I look at the story and I smile. The White Sox responded, which shows you how insecure and incompetent they actually are. There is zero reason to respond to this story. None. When this would be brought to my attention that it is out there on Twitter that the White Sox did something or did not do something where Middleton's name was not on the scoreboard when it should have been, I would tell my people, quiet, tourniquet. Instead, the White Sox released a statement. 
certainly approved all the way at the top. The omission was not intentional, but resulted because of duplicate players listed under one uniform number on MLB's downloadable Yankees roster. This glitch has arisen from time to time this season when multiple players have worn the same number for a team and we regret it occurred tonight. Hell yeah. So here's how it really works. The people who run your scoreboard, you do get from MLB the roster. It is your job to plug in who's playing where from the menu of downloadable options. MLB is not telling you who's on third. What? No, what's on first? When? You've got scoreboard operators. Is it possible that the scoreboard operators could not get Middleton's name onto the scoreboard? Nope, not possible. When you've got an issue with your scoreboard, you can override it. You can put his name in. You can build the graphic. All of it if you're nimble. And that's the job of your scoreboard team is to be nimble and to pay attention. It would drive me bananas when we had scoreboard mistakes. And a scoreboard mistake that you blame on MLB? Shameful. If you don't want to sell out your lower level employees, I'm in. I like it. Take the heat yourself as team president or VP of marketing or in-game operations. But what if it did come down from the top? I don't want to see his name in this ballpark anywhere. Wipe it clean. Done it. When we have traded a player, we have people walk around the stadium scrubbing the stadium. I got scrubbed from Marlins Park. I've been the victim of scrubbing, and I've been a scrubber. What goes around comes around. But scrubbing is a decision that's made at the top. We have pictures of former players all over Marlins Park. The ones that remain are the ones, I can't speak to what's happened since I left, but when I was there, the ones that remain are there purposefully. The ones that are taken down are taken down purposefully. We have people in ballpark operations who walk around, they inventory, they keep track. We know everything in the ballpark. Hey, there's a mysterious forklift park near exit Gimmel. No, it's not. We know exactly why it's there. We have it inventoried and we know that it's stored there. We've got 4,000 bobbleheads in the hallway down the right field line. Did you know that? Of course I did. We're out of storage room. That's where the pallets are. Did you know that we have a picture of Dontrell Willis on the press level, on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Yes, I did. Every single thing in the ballpark, to no surprise to you, the audience, I assume, every single thing in the ballpark, we know what, when, where, and how. It's our responsibility. We run it. For the White Sox to place the blame on MLB and say, oh, we regret it occurred tonight. Well, that is a coinkadink, isn't it?
I'm not buying it. What you're selling down there in Chicago? God, I want to I want to do that right. It drives me crazy. Hey, I'm going down to Boston tomorrow. No, no, you're going up to Boston. Hey, I'm going up to Washington. No, you're going down to Washington when you're in New York. Chicago. I'm going across to Chicago. What was I even saying about down, up, and across? Coca. Yep, no idea. For all those people across in Chicago. Thank you, Coca. I'm not buying it. Did you watch what happened with the Braves last night? Speaking of baseball. My guy, Max Freed. Minus 285 was the pick of the day. Were you nervous? Yeah, so was I. But the Braves won. Guess what? It counts. We are 109 and 109 is our pick of the day. The Phillies with their no-hitter did not gain ground on the Braves. It's impossible to catch them. It would take a Mets-like collapse from the mid-first decade of the 2000s for the Phillies to catch the Braves. The Phillies will continue their series against the Nationals today, and they've got Aaron Nola going. Coke is angry that I'm picking the Phillies over the Nationals, but I'm doing it for a reason. I understand they're huge favorites, but the reason is I want to point out yet again that I was wrong about Patrick Corbin. He is starting for the Nationals tonight. He's had moments, glimpses this season, but how is it possible when you're going to lose 100 games that you've got Corbin pitching every five days? I want to see what I've got with my middle relievers more than I want to see what I have with Patrick Corbin. I want to see what I have with my young starters. I want to give them big league games, big league innings, not too many, but just enough. I don't want to see Patrick Corbin, Corbin trotted out there every five days. It doesn't interest me. And he stinks. The one-two punch of Lorenzen and Nola for the Phillies we're taking the Phillies over the Nats. So I have an affinity to Northwestern. You know that. My daughter went there. I love Northwestern as a school. I'm very disappointed with things that are going on at Northwestern. It has been an absolute disaster is a bad word with what's going on in Maui and sending, obviously, my thoughts. I cannot believe the wildfires and the way the town just disappeared under fire. It looks like a movie set. But I simply cannot understand what Northwestern's doing. When you are in the middle of a crisis and Northwestern is in the middle of a crisis where they have fired their football coach, they fired their baseball coach, it is a matter of time until they figure out who else needs to take the fall for everything that ails Northwestern. A new president issues galore. When that's going on in your company, you have an all hands on deck crisis management team. Sometimes crisis management teams stay dormant when they're in house, but they know that they're on the crisis management team. And when they get activated, it's because there's a crisis and then they're activated and you don't deactivate the crisis management team until you guessed it, the crisis is over. The crisis in Northwestern is not over. Yesterday, 
the athletic director, Derek Gregg, said that he was extremely disappointed about something that happened. And what happened is that players and coaches on the football team were wearing a shirt that you can see on Nothing Personal with David Sampson Live, YouTube. And if you're listening, then just imagine a shirt that says, Cats Against the World. Hmm, what does that mean? Cats Against the World. Well, it's Northwestern Wildcats, so they must mean themselves. Against the world, meaning they're upset about what has been said about their coach who had to get fired, who they were all defending, except for the people who weren't defending him because of what he did, or because of the people who were defending him because they felt they had to defend him because that's what it means to be a man in a clubhouse. I defend all of this crazy hazing that goes on. I defend my coach. I like the idea of loyalty. I like the idea of thinking that you would run through a wall for your coach. I wanna know who printed the shirts. I wanna know who gave permission to wear the shirts. When you are in the middle of a crisis, you have somebody on site at every single practice, game, meeting, in the locker room, outside the locker room. You're doing reports to people that will rise all the way to the president. The purpose of a crisis management team is to say, we have avoided another one. We have squished the current one. We're on the case. The athletic director said, neither I nor the university was aware that they owned or would wear these shirts today. The shirts are inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf. Let me be crystal clear, hazing has no place at Northwestern and we're committed to do whatever's necessary to address hazing related issues, blah, 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 including thoroughly investigating any incidents, blah, or allegations uh, of hazing or any other misconduct. That's page two of the PR statement handbook. It's what you say. It's the first part. Neither I nor the university was aware. Hmm. Why not? Don't put in a statement, a statement of fact that could have been avoided had you actually been doing your job because it draws attention to the fact that you weren't doing your job. I would never want to do that in a statement. I would like you to gather for yourself the facts about whether I was doing my job. It's like that old expression, Coca. Yeah, that one. The one about if you open your mouth, it removes all doubt. Better to keep quiet than, and when you don't know something than to open your mouth and remove all doubt about the fact that you don't know something. That's how I feel about a statement as it relates to these shirts, as it relates to dealing with the crisis. So I've got an idea. And Northwestern, this one's on the house. It's not the Samson and Coca investigative firm where we're gonna charge you an arm, a leg, and a toe to tell you what to do and how to do it and to save you from yourselves. This one, free. For all the people who work in your athletic department, could you do me one tiny, tiny, teeny small favor and make sure that you've got someone around your football team and someone around your baseball team and someone who's got his or her or their ear to the ground about things that are happening because those shirts don't come out of nowhere. 
organized chaos has been organized. Any sort of protest, any sort of uprising, it doesn't just spontaneously combust. There's planning. And if you are doing your crisis management properly, you know about it before it happens. We'll see what happens here going forward to Northwestern. There it is, Coca. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. It's a good one. It's a good t-shirt, Coca. Okay. I don't want to say anything more negative about Northwestern. Just very, very, very sad. Very sad. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I needed to like. I needed to so badly. Who doesn't like Pierce Brosnan? Everybody. He's James Bond. He's Thomas Crown. He's Mama Mia. And then we're going to talk about something going on in Buffalo. That if you are from Buffalo, and I know that many of you are, you are not going to be happy. You're going to be entertained. You're going to learn something, but you're not going to be happy. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, my name's David Sampson. Welcome to Nothing Personal. Please go to our website, davidsampsonpodcast.com. We've got an entire merch store. We're gonna do more contests because we like when you order while you're listening and watching the show live at 8 a.m. every day. You're downloading, you're subscribing, you are growing this show, you're watching on YouTube, you're buying stuff. We appreciate you more than you know. We are now able, we believe, we believe, to respond to some of your emails, not all of them, there's too many, that are coming through the website. Absolutely love the questions, love them. Can't get to all of them, but we'll try. Some will even make the show. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. I watched a movie that I needed to like because I love Ellen Barkin, notwithstanding one of her choices of husbands. Loving her movie choices, though. Love Pierce Brosnan. How do you not? It's not like watching Russell Crowe sing in Les Mis. I didn't mind Russell. I didn't mind Pierce Brosnan singing in Mamma Mia. Not perfect, but I didn't mind it. I laughed my ass off at some Adam Devine movies. Absolutely loved them. Nina Dobrev in romantic movies. Like them. You put them all together called The Outlaws. 
It's about a combination of families. Richard Kind, for crying out loud. When does he make a bad movie? What an amazing cast. So here's the question. When during the course of a movie, do the people making the movie look around and say, holy crap, this sucks? Does it happen during production? Does it happen only after because the individual scenes seem sort of funny? Except when you look at the individual scenes from The Outlaws, which is a story about a criminal enterprise, obviously, where parents of the bride are criminals, parents of the groom are simpletons, somehow they got to figure out, can they mesh as in-laws? And then on top of that, they get sucked into this crazy story with drug dealers and Adam Devine, who's supposed to be funny. When you're reading the script, don't you say to yourself, wow, not funny. I'm saving you time. You're welcome. The Outlaws, hard pass. I haven't given up on you, Adam, or Pierce, or Ellen. I will never quit you. But man, oh man, was that a stinker. You know what really stinks? When people lie to you about new stadiums and about the cost of new stadiums. When the Oakland A's release images of their new ballpark in Vegas and they're made up and then they acknowledge it. When you go talk about a budget publicly for your new stadium and you don't know what you're talking about because you're wrong. The Buffalo Bills did not get ruined by my getting public financing for Marlins Park. It was not the end of public financing. The Buffalo Bills have a $1.4 billion stadium being built, half of it from public money, the greatest amount of public money that we've seen, 650 million or 700 million bucks. The NFL through its stadium fund is financing a bunch of the construction ownership And they got as part of the deal, in order for the public to do this deal, they did what we negotiated. We negotiated a provision that said, if you are demanding that we cover cost overruns, which the public was demanding of us because everything built in Miami has cost overruns and the public did not want to pay for that. The negotiators said, here's what we'll give, but that's it. My answer was no problem, but in the contract, we will have complete control over everything. No surprises. Any overruns, we'll pay because it'll be our fault. You have no say, you have no part, you can be in any meeting you want. You can pay attention to what we're doing, you can learn how we're doing it. But shh, nary a word. If you sign that, we'll cover overruns. We then go to the owner and to the bank where we're borrowing the money. We go through the stadium budget. We explain why we got to the budget we got to, which in our case was about $500 million. Here's why it's gonna cost what it's gonna cost. Here's the breakdown. Here's the amount of money we need to borrow. Here's the revenue that we expect to get from the stadium. Here's what we can do if we don't hit that revenue number, how we can still pay you back and cover the interest. 
on the on the loan and then you do a deal that's how you do a financing deal that's sort of very very top level how you do a financing deal to borrow money the buffalo bills did the same thing they promised to cover cost overruns in return for having full control of the project they woke up yesterday and it got leaked and acknowledged that the Buffalo Bills Stadium is already three to $400 million over budget. That was jarring for me to read until I saw the quote from the COO of the Bills. The new COO, because they fired the old guy, the new guy, when confronted with the possibility of 300 to $400 million in overruns to be covered by the team where there's no way to know how they're gonna cover it, how much left to increase the PSLs or the seat expenses or everything that you pay for as fans, how they're gonna go borrow the money, going back to the NFL, going back to the capital markets, what they're gonna do. Before even talking about that, which is the practical side of how to cover an overrun, of course, you could go full David Tepper, have overruns, go to the public. The public says no and just stop building what you were building. Cancel the whole damn thing. NGTH, in this case, not going to happen. So the COO says, when confronted, we don't know enough yet to confirm this because only a small percentage of, uh, damn it, Coca, 469. We don't know enough yet to confirm this because only a small percentage of the contracts and bids have been completed. OMG. Let me explain that for a hot second. When you are building a ballpark, the way you get to a budget is you don't make up a number in your head. You have a 200 page document that has details that would make your eyes water of what is required to build a stadium from a desk chair all the way to rebar from roof panels all the way to plane surface the cost of steel higher all right the cost of labor increasing how is it that every project doesn't have overruns then because you don't do your budget until you lock in your bids you don't do your budget until you know what the hell you are gonna have to pay it is mind-boggling to me what did buffalo just pull a number out of thin air hey how about a 1.4 billion dollar stadium let's get 700 million dollars from the public well where's that number come from not sure the Oakland A's have no clue what their ballpark's gonna cost. They know what the public financing part of it is. They don't know what the ballpark's gonna cost. It hasn't been designed yet. They don't even have an architect, a design firm. Forget getting to construction documents. You're gonna do a design build? Great. You gotta lock it in. You're gonna transfer some of the risk to the general contractor? You can do that. But it's gonna cost you in quality, in control. But to tell the public as the forward-facing person building a stadium, and trust me, there's a lot of bows and arrows that come your way. Slings and shots, 
rocks and pebbles. You're out front. That was me out front, the front of the grocery cart going downhill, first scene of the first jackass. That was me. Cannons of rocks being thrown at me as I crash into a pile of garbage at the bottom of the hill and the opening credit sequence rolls. But don't talk about money when you don't know what you're saying. It's offensive to me. That's how wrong it is. So here's what's gonna happen in Buffalo now. There's another team that did this. Funny. And I am a big fan of the Wilpon family. They are absolutely, they're great real estate developers, incredibly successful, very learned. Menches, truly. You don't realize what you had. You know, you have Steve Cohn now. They definitely, he will spend more. But it's not like the Wilpons didn't try or didn't spend. And this is not me defending them. It's me telling you I know them well, and I know they are much different than what you think they are. But one thing the Mets did when they were building City Field that made me smile, and I've spoken to Jeff about this, is they said it was an on budget when completed. True, but they kept increasing the budget during the course of the construction. I can make anything on budget by increasing the budget. The Buffalo Bills are now gonna increase the budget of their stadium to 1.7 or 1.8 or 1.9 billion. Then they're gonna build it and mark my words, three years from now, when this building is built, they will have an announcement. Oh, Coco, we're still gonna be doing nothing personal. And we're gonna remember this because I will remember. I can't remember a whole lot of stuff, but this I'll remember. The Buffalo Bills will stand in front of the sold out crowd as they cut the ribbon for the first game in the new stadium. And they will announce to you, this building was built on budget. Mark my words, that's coming. When you say things publicly, sometimes you have to walk them back. And the question is, when do you do that? So you know my philosophy, I will not delete a tweet, did a whole conversation with Levitard about that fact. Won't do it. If I say it, I said it, I own it. You don't have to scrub my feed. It's not like I've all of a sudden changed since 2017 when Twitter started, or when Twitter started for me, I should say. Things that I've said publicly, of course, I've regretted. But walking back a statement, when do you do it? Ron Rivera is the coach of the Washington Commanders. Yesterday, we did a segment where we talked about that he went public about Eric Bieniemy and his coaching style. He talked about the intensity of it, the concern that players had. Go back and listen to the segment yesterday because it made me smile because I was wondering, what's Ron Rivera doing and why? Why are you making Eric Bieniemy respond to this and give the quotes he had to give? Ron Rivera had to make this a two-day story, much to the chagrin of Josh Harris and the new commander's owners, although Magic probably doesn't care. Ron Rivera walked back his statements and said, I wasn't as clear as I needed to be. Hmm. I thought you were pretty clear 
So when you're walking back a statement, or when you say something that gets in your mind taken out of context when it's actually not taken out of context, or when you say something you think will not be a big deal and then it becomes a super big deal, and once it becomes a super big deal on the interweb, that's it. You've lost control of it. The dog is walking the person. What can you do to take control back? Your choices are you don't comment again. Your choices are you do comment again. Then if you do comment again, your choices are do you comment off the record or on the record. And then once you decide that, your choices are who do you comment to? So there's a decision tree for all announcements, including walkbacks, for all statements, for all scrums, for all official press conferences. There is a playbook. The commanders made a decision yesterday that it was wise for Ron Rivera to clarify his comments. To say when you do that I wasn't clear, what you really mean to say is, I said exactly what I meant to say and you interpreted it exactly as you were supposed to interpret it, but I did not realize it would be such a big deal. So now I'm gonna gaslight you and I'm gonna say, that's not really what I meant. I wasn't as clear as I could be. Let me explain further. When you have to do that, and what you end up saying is something opposite of what you said, can we all agree that that's not a clarification? Can we all agree that that's changing your point of view according to the way the wind is blowing on social media and that we should give it zero credibility whatsoever? You know the expression, the first thing out of someone's mouth, gut instinct, it's usually the right one. Your first thought, first thing you say, first thing you feel, oh, let me give that more thought. My initial reaction is blank, but let me give that more thought. Would you agree that more often than not, you don't change your mind? All right, Coca, I got a good one for you guys. Go ahead. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. From the movie Half-Baked, there's a character named Samson. I loved the recent email on davidsampsonpodcast.com. One of you said, I am six-ninths baked. Hell yeah, you get the show. Hey, David, I have a so you want to talk to Samson question. It's nothing personal, just business. That is true. Wait, show's not over. We got four minutes. The hate Daniel Jones gets around the NFL and from the national media doesn't mesh with the fans and New York media. How does an organization drown out the noise on the outside when internally they believe they have a plan in place? That's a great question. Daniel Jones is the quarterback they just signed to a four-year extension. They gave the money to him and not to Saquon, which was an issue with Barkley, who gets the one-year $11 million deal. Jones gets the four-year deal. Two of it is guaranteed, about $82 million guaranteed. And there are people who are hating on Daniel Jones. And the thought was, He's not deserving of that deal. He's not one of the top quarterbacks. The Giants chose incorrectly. They've made their bed, but why stay in the bed? You can get out of bed if you're in the NFL. 
there was a way out of it, let his contract go, let him play his fifth year and let him move on. It's not the end of the world as we know it and we feel fine. The thing about running a team is that you make your decisions based on the information you have and based on the alternatives that exist given the information that you have. You don't say, wow, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, good one, but it's not possible. The front office's job is to take what's real and then adjust from that point. What the media's job is and what the fans' job is, is to spend time because shows do this every day. Go watch ESPN, it's all they're doing, speculating on, hey, if blank happened, blank would happen. If these guys were together, should they be together? What happens if he retires, doesn't retire, if they're teammates? It's all a bunch of poppycock. Front offices can't do that. They actually have to be reasoned in their approach. Not all of them are, it doesn't work all the time, but that's their job. So your question is, how do we drown out the noise? The best front offices don't hear it to begin with. You have people who are your advisors in PR. And this is how I did it. You think I wasn't aware of all the negative comments being written and said about me? Of course I was. Did it impact any of the decisions I made? No, because I knew I had more information about the decisions I was making than you did. But did I sit around reading comments, reading editorials? No. I had someone in PR, PJ, come up to me every day and say, all right, here's what you have to know today. If you trust the people you work with, you'll never go wrong. If you know what you're doing and have strong people around you, not weak people, strong people around you, then you don't even hear the noise. The Giants front office, part strong, part weak, would you all agree? Some good decisions, some bad decisions, some knee-jerk reactions, some thoughtful reactions. I'll give you that. I'll put the Giants in the neutral category. They're not the worst, they're not the best. But when it comes to Daniel Jones versus Saquon Barkley, it's not even a question. You wanna make sure you've got your quarterback. And if your football people believe that he's the best quarterback opportunity you have for the next two years, you sign the deal. Is it an overpay? You bet your bippy. Is Daniel Jones one of the best quarterbacks in football? No. Is he capable of leading a team? Yes. Is he capable of winning a Super Bowl? Mm, not with the Giants, not right now. But our plan is not gonna be thrown off course by noise. As a matter of fact, noiseless headsets is one of the great gifts that you can give to your employees as a symbol of what to do when people are trying to distract you from hitting your goal, from reaching your potential. Put your headphones on and ignore it. It's just business. Thanks for the question. We'll see you tomorrow. This is nothing personal. Thank <laughs> you.